Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Isn't God good? He is so good. He is so good. I want you to just realize in these special moments like this, this is where God will move and he will touch your life. This is where we engage our faith. This is where heaven comes down and he meets with us. Heaven touches our life. What we could not do for ourselves, he does for us. He ministers to us. So let's just take a moment and let's just worship him. Father, we glorify you. God, we magnify you. Lift your hands, church. Lift your voice and just tell him you love him. Father, I love you. I praise you, God. I glorify you. I magnify you in this place, God. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, and we praise you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, we glorify you. We magnify you. Oh, thank the Lord. You can be seated this morning. He's in this place, church. Today is your day. It's not a might. It's not that it might be your day. It is your day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Can you say amen? And we'll rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. We want to do something before I get started this morning. We've had a prayer request come in from a friend of mine. Um, His name is Adam Friedrich. He pastors a church in California. Some of you may know him. You may have heard me talk about him. You may have heard him preach here. But Adam um, uh, texted me this morning and asked if we could lift up his wife, Carrie. These are dear friends of ours. I I know his dad. His dad, uh, Carl Friedrich, is uh, in many ways uh, the reason I'm in ministry today. These are people that go way back in my history. They are dear friends. And uh, we want to lift up his wife. His wife was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, She is a young woman. and she is currently right now going through very aggressive chemotherapy. But we have a God who is bigger than all of that. Can you say amen? And as a church, I want you to join your faith with mine. And we're going to declare her healed. Amen. She's healed. God knows how to deal with cancer. He has not forgotten. He knows exactly what to do. And he will move. So let's pray right now. Father, we just come before you. In the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray, God, that you would move upon Carrie. Father, we send the word to her, the word that says, by your stripes, we are healed. And Father, we thank you that by your broken body, Lord, the payment of our healing was paid. So we receive that healing right now, and we receive it for Carrie, and we declare her healed in Jesus' name. We rebuke cancer and we command it to loose its hold and to leave her body right now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, cancer be gone. And Father, we release Holy Spirit right now. That healing touch, your favor, the favor of God to rest upon her right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, 
Lord, we pray, God, that there would be no ill effect from this chemotherapy. Father, that you would override all symptoms in the name of Jesus. And Father, that the doctors would even say, it's a miracle. You don't need this anymore. Your body is clean in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for it. And we give you the glory and we give you the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God is good. Can you say amen? We believe that will be an answered prayer. And so we're looking forward to um, the testimony, and we will share it with you uh, when that testimony is given to us. Amen. So keep her in prayer. Let's, let's just contend. Bible says one can put a thousand to flight, two, ten thousand. I can't even begin to un, uh, estimate what the exponential number is in this room right now of what we can do if we do it together. Amen. So we have been in the last uh, couple weeks been looking at a series that we've done on prayer and we've come a long way and we've learned uh, some valuable truths, I believe. And I cannot tell you and I cannot stress enough how important of a subject this really is, this subject of prayer. Um, let me tell you, let me make a statement to you. The battle that you are in right now, whatever battle you may be fighting, will be won or lost in the prayer room. That's right. Do you understand that? That's how vital prayer is. Jesus said this many times over. He said, pray without ceasing. This is such a wonderful concept. It's a wonderful privilege and responsibility. Just think, the Bible says that we could go boldly before his throne. We can lay at his feet our petitions. We can, we can talk to him. We can fellowship with him. We can um, get his mind in prayer. You know, and I'll be honest with you, and I, I, I told the, the uh, 8.30 service this, that this has been a subject that has been somewhat difficult for me throughout the years. I, you know, I'll be honest, I, my mind is not always friendly. Uh, I don't know how to put that. But the reality is, is I am a very practical, linear, logical thinker. And what that means is I'm very much cause and effect. I'm, you know, very categoric, this box, this box, this box. I don't, I don't worry about those boxes when I'm in this box. We'd, all we got to do is this right now. We'll deal with that later. And, and sometimes that's very hard because, uh, you know, when you think of spiritual matters, when you think of it in those terms, oftentimes it's kind of all over the place and it doesn't really make logical sense. Have you found that to be true? I don't know about you, but sometimes it just doesn't make logical sense. And so prayer can be extremely difficult for me because I'm the type of guy when I go into my office or my house and I click the light switch on, I expect the lights to come on. And if the lights don't come on, then I know immediately there's a problem. Amen. That just makes good sense to me. So immediately I, I well, is the power out? You know, is the switch bad? Are the wires bad? Is the light bulb burned? What, what is the problem? And so oftentimes I approach prayer when it's not working the way I think it should work. Amen. I think, well, there must be a problem. And usually the, the word that I get from the Lord is there's no problem on my side. How many know what I'm talking about? You know, God doesn't have a power shortage. There's no disconnect with God. God doesn't, you know, he doesn't operate that way. And so sometimes it's really hard for me. And so the other day, um, 
um, I was in the prayer room doing my daily devotional and doing that and praying. And and to be honest with you, I'm just going to be a little bit vulnerable. It was tough for me. I'll be honest. It was just a little tough because I was in an empty room by myself talking to myself. I, now, I know you've never thought that about prayer because you, you folks are much more spiritual than I, I am. And so sometimes I get into those rooms and I think, you know, man, what is the point of this? I'm in an empty room talking to myself about things that I don't even know what it means. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm praying and finally I just get to the point. I'm like, Lord, I just and so. I have a piece of paper and a pen and I write. And so I'm, as I'm praying, I said, God, I feel so disconnected. I feel disconnected from you. I feel like I'm in an empty room talking to myself. I don't know, I don't understand this. So I'm writing this down. And as I'm writing this down, all of a sudden, my thoughts are interrupted with another thought that's not my own. And the thought was this, press in. So I wrote down, press in. And I just sat there for a moment, just quietly, and then I wrote next to it, what does that mean? <laughs> press in. Press into what? Press into what? And so, you know, sometimes what happens is my own good human logic just gets in the way. And what happens is it can get very discouraging. And what we can do is we can begin to set aside, or I, let me just do it with me, I can set aside this dynamic of prayer and I can begin to walk away from it saying, you know what, it really isn't having any effect. And the problem with that is, is I failed to understand the dynamic of prayer. And so in that moment, when I wrote that statement, what does that mean? Once again, God interrupted the, the chain of thinking and, and it was just impressed upon me to look at some scripture and to take that scripture and begin to turn them into prayers and to personalize them. And so where I was in scripture, where, where I was looking, I took the names that were being named and I changed them to by name. Amen. And I begin to look at it from a personal point of view. And as I did that, and as I begin to pray the word of God uh, with me in mind and with my personal touch on that or my personal um, uh, direction, making the scripture to me rather than just this generalized things, things begin to change. And I understood that I needed, that's how I press in. Now, here's the point of all of it. Here's the point I want you to get is what I had to do is I had to become deliberate. I had to uh, engage. I had to get aggressive. Listen to me. If you want to see God move in your life, chances are you will have to get out of the boat. Do you remember the story of Peter and the disciples? They're in the boat. The storm is raging. They're afraid. They're upset. They don't know what's going on. Jesus comes walking to them on the water. Let me tell you something. In every storm of your life, Jesus will come walking on the storm. I guarantee you, Jesus will walk on the waves and the wind of your storm. And then what he will do is he will bid you to come to him. That means you will have to get out of the boat. But I don't like getting out of the boat. Who would get out of a perfectly sound good boat in the midst of a storm? 
That's craziness. That don't make sense to me. That's not logical. That's not smart. What if I get out of the boat and I sink? What if I get out of the boat and there's sharks? What if I get out of the boat and I get wet? What, I mean, we come up with all kinds of things and we talk ourselves out of it and we will even spiritualize it by saying, you know what, God, I am just going to hold my spot. I'm just going to be faithful. Jesus says, I would rather you get out of the boat. I would rather you come to me. In other words, I want you to come to me. And that's what prayer is. It's, it's coming to God. It's getting out of the boat. It's pressing in. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, think about this. When, when, when God created Adam and Eve, the Bible says that God walked with them in the cool of the day. What was that? That was really, in essence, prayer, because that's what prayer is. It's a relationship with the Father. It's talking with him. It's communing with him. It's discussing the events of the day. It's, it's, it's talking to him about what you need. It's talking to him about who he is and who you are in him. It's all of those things. But somewhere, it will not happen unless we get out of the boat. Church, listen to me. If you sit in the prayer room waiting for God to show up and never engage, you might wait a really long time. Amen. You say, well, why is that? It's because God wants us to come to him. He meets us in the storm. He will come walking on your circumstances. He will come walking on your questions. He will come walking on your problems. But now his expectation is you come to me so that you can see that you can walk on your circumstances, so that you can walk on your questions, so that you understand you are no longer subject to that which is trying to destroy you. That... That is the essence of prayer. That's what it's about. And sometimes it's going to take more than a few minutes. Sometimes it takes a little while to kind of clean the cobwebs out. How many know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you got to get your sure footing. When Peter got out of the boat, he walked a few steps, but then he began to pay attention to the wind and the waves and not Jesus, and he began to sink. But the Bible says he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and he was back in the boat, and everything was okay. Not only was he back in the boat, all the brothers and him and the boat were on the other side. <laughs> so even when you make mistakes in your prayer, God still comes through. He, you know, look at God loves it when we take a risk. Do you remember when your, your children or your grandchildren first started walking? Do you remember when they stood up and they're all wobbly and they took a couple steps and down they went and we clapped and we said, yes, yay, that's great. Why? Because it was taking a risk is because that's how you learn to walk. Yes. And church, when we get into Christianity, we change everything. And we won't get up. We won't stand up. We won't take a risk. We won't get out of the boat. We want it comfortable and safe. And, and we're so afraid of what's going to happen. What if, what if has stopped more people than anything on the planet? But church, what we got to do is we got to embrace this thing called prayer. Can you say amen? amen? 
Now, we've looked at some things this week, and I want to real quick, very quickly, I want to go through a little bit of a review with you. I want you to understand that prayer is the secret to breakthrough. If you're needing a breakthrough, if you're needing an answer, if you're needing God to move in your life, then my friends, prayer is the secret to it. We learned, we, we learned all through the Bible last week. We talked about Uzziah, who was a young king, 16 years old. The Bible says as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. He broke through level after level after level. We looked at David, who, who uh, sought the Lord all the time. He wanted direction from God, and because of that, in battle, he was able to break through. Church, I want you to understand something. If we will just do what God has called us to do, if we will break through in prayer, if we will step up to the plate, we too will break through. And it doesn't matter, church, if you've been saved today or if you've been saved 50 years. This thing, prayer, is for everyone who will. Can you say amen? Jack Hayford put it this way. He said, prayer is not the mystical experience of a few special people, but an aggressive act in the face of uh, impossibility. It is an act that may be performed by anyone who accepts the challenge. Prayer is a secret to breakthrough, but prayer also is not an option. It's not that we can take it or leave it. It's not like, well, you know what? I'll just let everybody else. They're a lot better at that thing called prayer. And I'll, I'll, just, I'll just kind of let that go. I'm not good at it. Listen, prayer is not an option. It is the essential part of a partnership. It is the partnership between the redeemed child of God working hand in hand with God towards the realization of the redemptive purpose on earth. It's you and I working with God. It is through the vehicle of prayer. Listen to me, church. Prayer is the essence of faith. It's how we engage our faith. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It is impossible to please God without faith. We have to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We have to believe that God is there and it's faith, but it's through prayer that that faith is engaged. Can you say amen? Amen. It's we begin to talk to him knowing what his will is for our lives. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 18, verse one. He said, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You should write that down in your notes. Always pray and don't give up. Always pray and don't give up. Can you say amen? Listen to me. The other thing that we discovered in, our, in the last couple of weeks is that prayer is the plan of God. It is the entrance. It's how we enter into the throne of God. It's through that communication. It's through that building. It's, it's where we begin to talk to God in ways that we don't even understand. And you say, well, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. If you know how to talk, you know how to pray. The most liberating thing that has ever happened to me in my prayer life is to get away from the formula, to get away from the, 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 the formalized. It is get away from the ritual and get into relationship. See, when I talk to my wife, I talk to her through a relationship. I don't talk to her through formula. I don't talk to her through ritual. It's not, sometimes it's, sometimes our conversations can be quite raw. 
Why? It's because we are familiar. We know each other. We, we love each other. And sometimes when I'm expressing those deep parts of my heart and those deep parts of my soul, it's not always pretty. Can you say amen? And that's the way it needs to be with God. And I've learned that when I get into the prayer room, I can talk to him and I don't have to have every word right. I don't have to sit back and wonder, am I, am I saying it exactly how scripture says it? The point is God sees my heart. He looks beyond my words and he sees my heart. God already knows what I have need of. Do you understand that? God's not shocked. God's not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe he told me that. He's not surprised. He's like, Gabriel, I never knew. Huh. I never knew. Do you know what they just told me? You might be shocked, but he is not shocked. What he's waiting for is for you to get a little honest. What he's waiting for you is to engage him through that honesty. And to say, you know what, Lord, I'm just here right now. I'm here. I don't know what to do, God. And quite frankly, I'd get tired of talking to an empty room. God, I need your presence here. I don't want to be alone, God. I don't want to feel distant from you. I want to feel your presence. And he says something like this, then press in. Okay, what does that mean? Well, get some scripture and start praying it. Do what you know, John. You know how to do this. You could do it. You could do it, John. You could do it. Pray and don't give up. Don't give up. I won't give up, God, but you got to help me. I'm right here. I haven't left you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. Just press in, John. Press in. Keep going. And we've got to be able to hear that, and we've got to be able to walk in that. But listen to me, church. We need to go beyond the knowledge of prayer. We must move into the practice of prayer. The Bible is absolutely clear. Over a thousand times in scripture, the Bible talks about prayer in one form or another. And over 650 different prayers are recorded in the Bible. Yet prayer is probably the most misunderstood and particularly the most neglected practice in all of Christianity. There was a conference 15 years ago. 17,000 members of a major denomination attended the conference on spiritual awakening. What does that mean? That means these people are not coming um, and they're not looky-loos. They're, they're not new Christians. These are people that are hungry for God. They're looking for a spiritual awakening. They weren't just pew sitters. Well, a survey of the members found that the average person in that 17,000 member people looking for a spiritual awakening prayed less than five minutes a day. At that same conference, there were 2,000 pastors who were asked the same question and surveyed with the same question, and they prayed on average of less than seven minutes a day. Now listen, you say, well, what, does that, what does that mean? What does that look like? There are 1,440 minutes in a day. So seven minutes relates to less than 5%. Less, I'm sorry, less than 0.5%, less than a half of percent. And yet one of the topics that Jesus talked about the most was prayer. Can you imagine that? This ought not to be. Prayer is such a vital part of our walk with God and we cannot afford to neglect its power in our lives. Now, when I say to you, we need to engage in prayer, let me just get a little bit, um, 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 well, just let me be me for a moment, okay? 
We, we got to stop looking at praying over our meal as, hey, that's my prayer life. Uh, let me show you what I mean. Kathy, my, my wife, I, we've been married 33 years, okay? And so it's a great thing. Now imagine if my only conversation with her was, hey, thanks for dinner. <laughs> Did you feel that? Did you feel that? Did you feel that? <laughs> that looks woo woo. Well, now you're messing with me. Imagine that the only time we talk to God is at dinner time. Hey, thanks. Thanks for providing for me. It's a, it's a real prayer. Don't get me wrong. It's good and we should. But that ain't prayer life. Now imagine this, if the, okay, I'm going to add a little bit to our relationship. I thank her at dinner, and then when I'm in crisis, I complain about how much I don't have. Not good for building relationship, is it? And then we wonder, Lord, what's going on? Why? I, I dare say if we would learn to pray, if we would learn to make the decision to pray. And I'm not talking about just, I'm talking about, you know, getting out of our comfort zone. I'm talking about pressing in. I'm talking about the Bible says, if you'll seek me with all of your heart, you'll find me. Amen. He wants to be found. He's not hiding. Amen. He's not hiding. I know a lot of people go, no, 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 he's hiding. Let me show you what it is. Let me show you. This is the picture of our father, and you need to catch this. Imagine our father is me. Imagine I'm God right now. And imagine Oliver, or better yet, because Oliver's a little bit older, so it's not as cute. So let's look at Titus, little Titus. He, he doesn't know a whole lot. So you know what? He's running, and I'm chasing him. I'm, I'm going to get you, Titus. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. And then all of a sudden... Or I, all of a sudden, he turns, and he starts chasing me. That's the picture. Now he's chasing me, and I'm running, I'm running. I'm, now, I'm not running fast. I can outrun. Even at this point in my life, I can outrun Titus. That's the only one I can out. I can't outrun Oliver. That's why the illustration don't work. But I can outrun Titus. And as I'm running away, he's chasing me. And then at some point, I stop and turn and I grab him. Amen. Do you see the intimacy in the relationship? Do you see what God's doing? Yes, he does like to play a little bit of cat and mouse, but who don't? Who doesn't like to be caught by the one you love? Some of you are going, I think you, you what was in your Wheaties this morning, man? But that's what he's saying here. Press in, chase me. You'll find me because at some point I'm going to stop and turn around and grab you. At some point I'll chase you. And let me tell you, you've never had life until you had God chasing you. Come on now. So our text, we're going to move on into our text today. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18. One verse of scripture. He says, pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. I love the fact that that verse is filled with all. Yeah. Always, all, all, all. You know what the Greek word for all is? Everything. 
It's all. All prayer, all supplication, all the saints, all perseverance. He says, pray all the time. Pray all the time. Prayer is not a flippant religious ritual that we do to feel better, but prayer is a lifestyle of power and grace that flows from those who have given themselves to it. Are you hearing me? He says, pray always with all prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says, in the Amplified, it says, pray at all times on every occasion, in every season in the spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. The Barclay version of the Bible says it this way, keep praying in the spirit at every crisis with every kind of prayer and every entreaty to God. In other words, prayer is a multifaceted, multidimensional relationship with our Father in heaven, filled with countless possibilities. We could say it this way, praying with all kinds of prayer at all times by all means. That's what he's saying to us. So I want to take a moment and I want to look at a few significant kinds of prayer. Now look at, there are many types of prayer. Prayer has many facets, but I want to look at four of them really quick. The first one that I think is absolutely vital to us is a type of prayer called intercession. Intercession is when we pray for something or someone other than ourselves. It's we're interceding. It's, it's literally what a lawyer does in court. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They're interceding on our behalf. And the intercession is so critical for a church. The Bible says this in Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. We looked at this a little bit last week. It says, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it. He's looking for intercessors. He's looking for people that will stand in the gap. You say, why is that? Because God does nothing except an answer to prayer. God will not move in this earth unless somebody is praying. That's why God has intercessors. God has people that he will wake up in the middle of the night with a burden to pray. They don't know what they're praying for. They don't even know why they're praying. They just know that they need to pray. And my mind is, is that God has seen a need somewhere on the other side of the world that he wants to move in and he wants to do something in that. So he needs someone to pray so that he can move. And so what he does is he wakes you up, you begin to pray and God says, amen, I'm going to move. You say, well, why can't God do it? He, you know, God's sovereign. Couldn't he just snap his fingers and just get it done? Yes, he could. And, and sometimes he does that. But more often than not, God stirs the heart of his believers, of his children to pray. Why? Because God has decided a long time ago that he was going to partner with you and I. That he was going to do what he did in the earth through his children. See, look, at the devil is no match for God. How many know that? If you know that, raise your hand. God could deal with the devil today. He could kick him out of existence in a fraction of a second. It wouldn't even be a heartbeat for God. But God says, I'm not going to do that. That's not really a fair test. What I'm going to do, devil, is I'm going to humiliate you. My children are going to kick you out using my power. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what God's up to. God wants to use you. He wants to give you the privilege of using your life to do his will in this earth. And that's through intercession. 
We need intercessors in the church. See, we're called to make a change. We're not called to react. We're not called to react to our circumstances. We're called to change our circumstances. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Too many Christians are simply reacting, and generally we react in fear. What we need to do is rise up, and we need to change in faith. Are you hearing me? He said, well, what is the political? Look at, I am really getting tired of the political conversation. How many know what I'm talking about? Look at, instead of getting on our high horse and being against everything, what we ought to do is get on our knees and pray for the will of God to be done. Can you say amen to that? Instead of beginning to talk about how much we hate, how much we don't like, how much we're against, let's get on our knees and talk about the goodness and glory of God. Let's uh, interact with God and bring his power to bear. And let me tell you, things will change. Instead of being afraid of our shadow, let's get on our knees and cause faith to build in our lives so that we can stand up in the power of the living God and take authority over every situation. Christians, we, let me tell you something. If you're saved in this place, if you're saved in this place, we have let so much go by. Afraid. Afraid. Oh, the devil. The devil is defeated. Jesus made an open show of him. He drug him through the courtyard naked, bleeding, and bruised. He beat him with a big, ugly stick called the cross. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus has won. It's not he's going to win. He won. It's done. The devil is defeated. And the only power that he has is the power you give him through believing his lie in fear. Intercession. Second kind of prayer is called supplication. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Once again, here's this everything statement. Be careful for no thing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. What is supplication? Prayer is, 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 is going to God, but supplication is deeper. It's more intimate. It's where we get the word supper. We go have dinner with the Father. Imagine, I'm going to kind of put this in human terms. Imagine if you get a phone call one morning and it's Bill Gates. And he calls up and he says, hey, I've heard a lot about you. I'm interested in you. I'd like to invite you to my house tonight for dinner. I have a plane waiting at the airport in Kingman, private plane. We're going to fly you to my house. And then when you get there, we're going to have dinner. And we will talk about your specific need so that I can intercede. You would be out of your mind. I would. I'd ha- on the whole way, the whole trip, I'd be making a list. I'd, I'd have a hundred things. This is one that's in a lifetime shot. He's got the money. He's got the power. He's got the clout. He can do it. Well, let me tell you something. Every morning when we get up, we can talk with the one that created the heavens and the earth. And we could go to him and we can sup with him in supplication. And we can have intimate relation with him. It goes beyond just our petitioning and our contending. 
It goes into relationship. And then the third one is travail. In Galatians chapter four, verse 19, it says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. It's the deepest agonizing prayer. It's the kind of prayer that literally births something. It's taking what's in, the, in heaven, the, the kingdom of God, and bringing it to earth. It's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, Father, on earth, on earth. Your kingdom come on earth. Your will be done on earth. And it's through travail. Uh, we see this for the very first time with the prophet Elijah. When he is praying for it to rain, he puts himself in the position of travail. He's birthing something and he tells his servant, go check, go check the horizon, see if there's any clouds. The servant goes seven times and on the seventh time he says, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. And Elijah jumps up and goes, that's it. You better get running because rain is coming. And I'm going to tell you, he birthed something. We need to be people, we need to birth the kingdom of God into this place. Can you say amen? And then finally, praying in the Holy Spirit, Jude 1.20 says, but you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, pray in the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our distresses, for we don't even know what we should pray for, nor how we should pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. In other, in other words, what he's doing is we allow ourselves the, the access, we allow ourselves for the Holy Spirit to move through us, and through a prayer language that he gives us from heaven, we begin to pray. We begin to pray, and that in turn builds up this holy faith, and he now prays the perfect will of God in our lives. Many times we don't know how to pray. Many times we don't know what to say or what to do, but the Holy Spirit knows the perfect mind and will of God. Can you say amen? And in that, he can get things done. Jim Cimbala said this, prayer is the most essential thing found in the Bible along with faith and God. In fact, some have maintained that while it is true that without faith it's impossible to please God, the only way to know whether there is real faith is to see if there is real prayer. <clears throat> he says, because if someone really believes in God, they instinctively begin to call on the name of the Lord. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yes. See, the problem is, is we can learn about prayer, but never really pray because we don't engage. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3, Paul's writing to his young disciple and he says, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead quiet and peaceable lives in all godliness and honesty, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of our Lord, our God and our Savior. He says, I will therefore that men, verse eight, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. You know what, I came across that verse and I thought to myself, so many times I have people come to me and they will tell me things like this. I just wanna be right with God and I just wanna do the word of God. I want, you know what, brother, you better take it back to the word. Is it the word? Is it the word? Is it the word? Well, let me show you a verse. I will that I will Therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. What does that mean? Look, at, let's tear it apart. I will, it's his will, therefore, that men, that means men and women, he's not talking just about gender, he's talking about mankind, pray everywhere, Safeway, Bashes, Chili's, 
in and out Burger, Taco Bell. Put that verse back up. Please. Please. Here, I got it right here in my notes. I will that every man pray everywhere. Lifting up holy hands. It's a sign of a believer. I can give you a lot of things, opinions, what I think it means. It's surrender. It's Papa, pick me up. I mean, it's all those kinds of things. But I don't know. All I know is he said to do it. Did he say lift up holy hands? Are you sure? That's That's King James. That's the authorized version. So we're good on that. (laughs) Lift up holy hands. Lift. What? Lift up holy hands. Let's lift them up. Everybody lift up holy hands. You say, my hands ain't holy. They are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Lift up holy hands. Without wrath, that means with no ought against your brother. And doubting, that means no contention with God. Are you hearing that? Praise God. You say, does this do something? This freaks the devil out. Come on. So why is that? Because the army of God is beginning to rise. The army of God. You stand in. Let me tell you something. You want to see a room shudder? Walk into a room and go like this. Just stay quiet. Just go like that. And I'm telling you, people will. Why? They don't know what's happening. Lift up holy hands. When you're a Christian, you bring something in with you. What do you bring in? You bring in the Holy Spirit and you release him and he moves and he changes things. And that's the power of prayer. Are you hearing what I'm saying? (sighs) Look at here. We have confidence in prayer. John 5, 14 through 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. We have a confidence. The first confidence is that God's listening. 1 Peter 3.12 says, For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. God is listening. Even if you can't tell, God's listening. God God gives us the confidence that he understands. Listen, Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus understands. And then, John, and then we have the confidence that God will answer. John 14, 13 through 14 says, And whatsoever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son, if you ask anything in my name, and I will do it. Amen. Now, as I begin to close this sermon, I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you about a story when people pray. You need to understand that in the last 200 years of Christian history, there have been many revivals. And without exception, every one of them has been started because somebody decided to pray. That really got a hold of God and said, we're going to really do this thing called prayer. So as I bring this to a close, I want you to listen to this story. In September 1857, a man of prayer, Jeremiah Lanfer, started a businessman's prayer meeting in the upper room of the Dutch Reformed Church building in Manhattan, New York. He handed out some 20,000 flyers advertising the first noonday prayer meeting on September 23rd, 1857. 
For the first 30 minutes, he sat alone praying. Eventually, steps were heard coming up the staircase, and another person joined him. Then another, then another, until Lamphor was joined by five men. The next Wednesday, the six increased to 20. The following week, there were 40. Lamphor and the others then decided to meet daily, and within weeks, thousands of business leaders were meeting for prayer each day. Before long, a hundred churches and public meeting halls were filled with noonday prayer meetings. In February of, and, and March of 1858, every church and public hall in downtown New York was filled. Horace Greenlee, the famous editor, sent a reporter with a horse and buggy racing around the meetings, the prayer meetings, to see how many men were actually praying. In one hour, he could only get to 12 meetings, but he counted 6,100 men praying. Then a landslide of prayer began, which overflowed to the churches in the evenings. People began to be converted, tens of thousands a week in New York City alone. The movement spread throughout New England, and people went to prayer at 8 in the morning, 12 noon, and 6 in the evening. Revival moved across the country. When it reached Chicago, a young shoe salesman was so moved in his spirit that he went to the superintendent of Plymouth Congregational Church, and he asked if he might teach Sunday school. The superintendent says, I'm sorry, young fellow, I have 16 teachers too many, but I will put you on a waiting list. The young man insisted, I, don't, I want to do something now. Well, start a class. How do I start a class? Get some boys off the street, but don't bring them here. Take them out into the country, and after a month, you will have good control over them. So then bring them in. They will be your class. So he took them to a beach on Lake Michigan. And he taught them the Bible verses and Bible games. Then he took them to Plymouth Congregational Church. The name of that young man was Dwight L. Moody. And it was the beginning of a ministry that lasted 40 years, all because a man dared to pray. The Great Welsh Revival began in prayer. The Azusa Street Revival began in prayer. The New Testament church began in a prayer meeting. Church, we can't afford to miss this. If I were to go around this congregation and survey this congregation and ask, what is it that you want to see from God? Many being honest would say, I just want to see the kingdom of God move. I want to see people get saved. I want my family saved. I want my home changed. I want to see transformation. I want to see my church grow. And all of those things are the will of God. All of them. And God wants them too. So what is he waiting for? He's waiting for somebody to pray. He's waiting for some people to get a hold of this and say, you know what, I'm not going to back this down. I'm going to enter in. I'm going to push past my comfort zone. I know it's safe in the boat. And I know there's a lot of risk out there, and I know there's a lot of things, but I'm going to trust my God that if the wind and the wave get too much, he'll just pick me up and carry me. But I'm going to go to him. I'm going to confront this thing in my life. Can you say amen to that? Why don't you bow your heads with me for a moment? Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given this to us. Father, I pray right now for every person in this room that you would begin to birth a passion for prayer. Father, I pray that you would touch our people, touch this this church. Lord, let us be a house of prayer. 
Father, let it be said of us that we get a hold of the throne of God, that we lay a hold of you and that we leave changed. Father, people would feel and sense, God, the dynamic of a praying church in this place. Father, let us not be pulled aside to the left or to the right or to be pulled down a bunny trail or to be pulled down some sort of distraction, but God, that we would give ourselves to this. And Father, we thank you, God, for your wonderful word. We thank you for this awesome privilege. And I pray right now, God, stir us in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at me, if you would, just for a moment. Look at, you say, oh, wow, man, that was so good. Look at, you have a choice. Tonight, we have our worship night. We used to call it Breakthrough. I, I particularly like the name Breakthrough. And tonight, what is, you say, well, what is that? that? That really is a time to worship and pray. We, we pray for people that are here. We pray for healing and deliverance and provision and direction and families to get saved and all of that. But it's a time where we can come and we can pray. We worship and we pray. We worship and we pray. And it's not long. We spend about an hour, six o'clock to seven o'clock or so, maybe seven ten at the latest. And you have a choice. So here we go. No, no, no. You have a choice. You could come tonight and join us. Six o'clock. Join us. See what God will do. Or you could stay home. And you can do what you normally do. You can watch TV or knit or bake cookies or whatever you do. Church, you say, well, are you making me feel guilty? Not at all. I don't want you to feel guilty. But I want to challenge you. I know how easy it is. I've been in church a long time. I've sat through a lot of sermons on prayer. A lot. And I know how easy it is to go out and talk about how wonderful it is and get in my car, go to lunch, and forget anything about it. Make a decision now. Now. Decide. And say, I'm going to come. I'm going I'm to I'm engage. I'm going to see what happens. Most of it will cost you is an hour. See what God will do. I believe God will meet with you. I believe he'll change your life. I believe that thing that you've been contending for, that area of impossibility, will become remarkably small in your life when you stand in prayer. Amen. So tonight, 6 o'clock, make that decision. Let's stand to our feet all across this place. We're going to release you. Our prayer team is coming forward. If you do need prayer tonight or this morning of any kind, you want somebody to agree with you, come up. Let them agree with you. The rest of you, we want you to have a great Sunday afternoon. God bless you. Go love one another and have a great, great day. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.